All right. Welcome to episode number 48 of Free Market Screener. I'm Nick B here as always with Ben, the Liberty Hippie. How are we doing today, Ben? Oh, I'm doing all right. How are you doing, Nicky? Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, we have our guest, Mr. Carr Campit, on today, who is our, how would we put this? Um, well, why don't you describe your job as what you do? You say civil engineer, and all I think mm-hmm. about is government employee, and you've told me that is incorrect. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm a civil engineer. I've kind of bounced around the industry, so I've seen a, a little bit of a lot of stuff. Uh, I'm a registered engineer, and uh, and yeah, we, we you know there's there's plenty of private projects, there's plenty of public projects, and there's plenty of projects that kind of fall in some weird gray area in between. And I've done I've done a good bit uh, of or I've at least dipped my toes in in all of them. And I but I've mostly been on the private side. See, he kept saying he kept saying dip in there, and and I'm like thinking dip, and the next thing you know, he's talking about privates, and I was just mm-hmm, confused mm-hmm. at it. Well, you'll notice that as we go along with the show. There's there's okay. always two meanings. Nice. So. What are your thoughts on the EPA? Uh, I mean, I think they should be <laughs> abolished, like all federal federal programs of of all kinds. But uh, yeah, I think they do far more harm than good most of the time. Uh, I'm sure there's, um, you know, I, I I've never actually worked specifically with the EPA, which is which is shocking. I've worked with a couple of federal organizations getting permitting. It's always a royal pain in the dick. But I, I do recall specifically when I was living in Colorado uh, when they absolutely destroyed the Animas River by by fucking up like a a, a seal on a mine. Um, and you can, you know, debate all day long about the practices of, of mining at that, particularly when that mine was active. But the bottom line is they just absolutely wrecked the Animus River and a beautiful river turned into basically a yellow sludge. Was that the uh, King King Copper Mine or something like that? Was it was the Maybe. mine called? Yeah, I can't remember the name of the mine, but it's yeah, a, it's, a su- it's a super fun site. Well, it wasn't too loud, loud too long ago, right? Uh, it was probably in 15. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that's probably it then. Um, I think we we've we've talked about that one on here before. Okay. Yeah. I think, I think a little <laughs> bit. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Because yeah, I think we we did an episode almost exclusively on super fun sites and how like bullshit they are. Okay. It's basically it's basically a way of saying we'll fix this someday when you give us endless supplies of money. But yeah, oh yeah, it's crazy. It's a it's a gigantic. Yeah, it's it's wild. But in the meantime, we're also going to prevent any private company from utilizing the land or exactly. doing anything with it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah, crazy. So you know, just keep it as a pollution site. That sounds yep. like the yep. correct approach. Yeah, man. <laughs> nature, so, nature does its thing, man. It'll clean it up. A, a question I I have, you know, asking someone who the, theoretically builds, you know, cities and builds places, and what what kind of things do you think about when when you're you say you're doing less of the design now? I guess actually, that's okay. you say you said you were working in sales more with your company as opposed to design. Mm-hmm. Is that something that ever comes up when you're you're doing your pitch or? You're, dealing with uh, outside entities what the design side um well no in particular like does the environmental impact come up often in what you you do or is it kind of you leave that to the eggheads it just doesn't come up in my what i sell and uh, you know i don't want to get super specific about that because there's not a whole lot a lot of competition in it and you probably <laughs> oh we could uh, immediately go call your boss because yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's all right yeah. Uh, but no, like what I do, it just doesn't, it's, it's very, um, plug and play and kind of walk away. Like, and so I don't really get involved anymore in the, the actual development or the site. We just get called when, when something's needed. And yeah. so I don't, I don't really deal with that, but I will see projects go or not go based on environmental permitting plenty of times. I I've had, you know, when I was on the design side, I, I've had plenty of projects that were either 
you know, halted entirely or delayed or whatever based on on these on these federal permits and they're and they're absolutely ludicrous. They're more ludicrous than you would than you would even imagine, I would suspect. Like they're crazy. Like the, the particularly things like wetlands permits and stuff like that through the Army Corps of Engineers is just it's it'll blow your mind. I mean, I guess in Ricky ridiculous in what way, like what they require of you or just like dealing with the agency itself or combination of both combination of both the, like, for instance, there was uh, a site that I worked on that had uh, like an intermittent creek, like it wasn't even yeah. a creek or a stream. It was just an intermittent wet in the spring once in a wet while in the spring type deal. And they would, cla- <laughs> they classified it. They classified it, I think as a navigable water, which is what uh, will <laughs> they'll use to basically bring it under army Corps of engineer jurisdiction which it's in like, I mean, it's a, you know, an occasional puddle. Um, So they classified it like that requiring a wetlands permit. Then you have to go through your army Corps of engineers, which if you think your local permitting agencies are slow and and, and, and nuts. Yeah. Go, go try federal. And then you can either, you know, they have two, they basically have two types of permits. One's a nationwide permit, which is basically a, 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 like a, a size fits all. And then they have an individual permit where you have to, you know, provide information about the site and yada, yada, yada. If you get the individual permit, forget it, walk away, just, money you know the money's gone don't develop the site if you classify as a nationwide permit which is more or less standard expect a two-year delay and when you're in that industry a two-year delay might might as well be death a lot of the time the, luckily this was a big big time development firm so they they could absorb it but and we're probably anticipating it frankly but uh yeah i mean to see the um the limiter put on on, on production in that way is just it's really disheartening it sucks that's like one thing that like i i built a house with my brother i don't know mm-hmm. probably about 10 15 years ago up in like new york state okay and you know it's like you're looking at this map of, of where the the wetlands are right you see a little little mm-hmm. three-leaved symbol that they use and you go out there and it's like dry you know, yeah, it's, no, dry. It's, it's crazy. And and when the snow melts, that's where the water goes. And apparently that's a wetland. And like, you're totally yep. like, now you have to rearrange like a house site, like all this stuff that just goes into it. And I, yep. I, I can't imagine on the, the federal level when you're like getting into projects that are that big, yep. you know, I, I'm looking at just a, a, you know, a couple acres where I'm going to put a house and it's like, you know, totally cuts it down. But so my high school, they did a district merger, like right about when I was going into middle school to high school. And they actually had to relocate wetlands. Oh yeah, to build the high school. So like they were yep. allowed to do it, but like X amount of the property was registered as wetland. Yeah. So they then had to relocate that wetland to like, mm-hmm. like another piece of the property someplace else, so that they could build the fucking site. <laughs> well, and a lot of that, a lot of that stuff, like a, a, like everything, there's a bunch of people who you can pay off, and I and I'm trying to remember specifically because mm-hmm. it's been a while since I've been, I've been in it. I can't remember if it's for wetlands or for something else, but basically a, a mitigation. They call it mitigating the wetlands, and uh, and you have to purchase. Yeah. undeveloped land or, or wetlands to, to offset your development. And of course, then that breeds this cottage in, cottage industry of people that have the wetlands and they know people. And, and, and so they're just selling land for ridiculous prices and stuff. Yeah, like, you know, it's, you, it's just, you uh, need it's it. cronyism, you know, and it's, and it's just most obvious. It's insane. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. Oh God. I, yeah. You, gotta, you just got to know somebody. That's all. I think, you know, just, yeah, honestly, man, honestly, yeah. I just got to find, figure, figure somebody out. Did you see a lot of, um, permits or, or um, uh, designs get, get shut down because they didn't get permits? Oh, dude, I, I mean, yeah, yes. Yeah. That's a huge, huge, yeah. yeah I, mean, I was going to say, well, is there a percentage? Daily. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I mean, and, and a lot of times, like if you're working with a bigger developer, they anticipate a lot of these things and it's not that mm-hmm. it will shut it down completely, but it, they'll have to regroup and like, you know, but yeah, in terms of getting permits, oh my God. Yeah. All the time. Uh, by hook or by crook, you know, whether it was because the permit made, uh, made the job then, uh, not no longer profitable or, or, or whatever, or it just, the time delay was not, yeah. they would rather allocate their money or their capital in other ways because of the time delay or whatever. But yeah, I, it, that was the name of the game. So like when you, when you apply for a permit, right? Like you, you probably, if you're a big corporation, you got people on the books that like know the rules, they know the the permitting process, they know all the, the crap they got to go through. So like, why, why would you apply for a permit when you know it might fail? Like, is, was is there like, do are they just like, bumping yeah, elbows the, and hoping they the get the, the right guy to review the permit on the good day or like how does that go you know it's all it's it's risk reward right like i mean if the if the reward yeah. is potentially big enough the risk is worth taking and i don't i didn't necessarily see it particularly on the federal level it's not like these things are unobtainable it's just how many hoops are you willing to jump through to go to get it yeah, yeah. i, I I wouldn't say I've ever seen anybody just stonewalled and say, no, you can't do this. But I've seen plenty of, uh, you know, obstacles thrown in the way. And that actually happens, honestly, more often at a local level. It's in terms of the sneakiness around it because it'll yeah. get political. And, uh, and you know, when you're going for when yeah, when you, when you need to rezone something or you need to do something that requires planning committee, then it gets political and, and then mm-hmm. it opens that door for, you know, I don't, I'm not a fan of public policy anyway. Like, obviously I wouldn't want any public policy anyway, but there is something about, there's something very different about having all like permits that you meet the requirements and you get the permit yeah. rather than, you know, it'd be like, it'd be like uh, getting a, a gun in a shall issue state. Do I want anybody saying yes or no? No, but a shall issue state says we, we shall issue. If you apply, you get it. Whereas, you know, one where you got to go through some, you know, hoop-de-hoo on, on doing a background check and the state can decide, um, it's, it's kind of that difference, you know? Yeah. Somebody's got to stroke Uncle Tony off at just the right night, time of night on the third yeah, week right, in August. Exactly. And if you do that, you know, yeah. a dead fish won't end up on your uh, porch and you'll mm-hmm. get the permit wrapped around it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, do you find that the size of the project affects that like affects the difficulty in that to, to a degree or it's just kind of hit or miss like yeah that's an interesting one i would say i don't think i would say size i would say if you it, it per girth well i would say girth for certainly that's one thing that i might say i would say the uniqueness of the project if there's something that's fairly run-of-the-mill and unobjectable uh by the majority of citizens like let's just say retirement home or i don't know yeah like something very unimposing that nobody's going to get pissed off. Like nobody cares if they have a retirement home near them. Right. I mean, well, except for maybe, well, it's dark, but the sirens and stuff like that. But that's a very different thing than like having a bar or having a, um, uh, I don't know, you know, playground or something like that, where there's going to be a lot of noise. There's going to be a lot of people in and out that, you know, having a really milk toast development in something that's not really unappealing to people is the easiest way to get kind of fast track through there. Having unique projects where you have to satisfy a lot of different people and the permits don't really aren't really form fit for it. That's where you start to run into a little bit more trouble and you need to be a little bit more creative and develop relationships with those public entities to, to, to help kind of grease the skids. And seeing to me, to me, that's so backwards. Like when you're thinking like in a market side, you're like, okay, so the thing that's like everything else should be the one that you're like, do we really need another one of these? Yeah. Whereas like if you had something that's totally unique, you're like, yeah, yeah. let's let's see how this does. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, no, it, yeah, it's, it's entirely back. And then you also see small 
you, you you actually in the reverse of what you might think you actually see small people getting caught up it must it's, it's probably a lot like regulatory capture where the small players start to to really suffer and not for the intent not for the same it's not the same as regulatory capture where let's say a walmart will instigate a bunch of regulations to keep small players out of the game specifically to keep those small players out of the game it's just an accidental byproduct for example um there was the, probably three or four years ago i was developing a house and, and you know much like you were Ben, and, and I was doing a house on a two acre lot out in the middle of nowhere outside of, and they happen to be juris within Fort Worth jurisdiction because it's these weird, you know, tendrils that come out to like, you know, that Fort Worth has claimed certain, certain <laughs> lands and they happen to still be within the city and not in the unincorporated county. So they were, they were beholden to the city's uh, erosion control and, and best management practices for keeping particulates and pollutants and yada, yada, yada out of the, uh, the stormwater and also for stormwater, I'm trying not to get like super technical, but, but stormwater requirements, like runoff requirements, when you build a house, it increases the stormwater runoff because it's no longer pervious land that's absorbing rainfall. You know, it's, it's, it's a roof and they have these incredibly stupid onerous requirements that if you were of a certain size land, I think it's one acre here, which is intended to cover more commercial properties and bigger bigger deals, not single family properties, then you have to meet these incredibly onerous requirements. Well, this guy had two and a half acres. He was building a small, like three by two starter home. It probably all in probably cost him with the land 120 grand or something like that. Like, don't think this is some <laughs> rich dude. It's, it's, it was some dude lived that just was living out in the boonies of, of Fort Worth. And it basically got shut down because they wanted him to do these in, intense flooding analysis and, you know, that we were supposed to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, of all of the surrounding effects of, of of building this house out in the middle of fucking nowhere, you know, and and it became so overwhelming that he just bagged it. He was like, I can't, I just can't do this. Like, I can't do this. Yeah. This is this is insane. And not only that, but they'll lead you along. They'll string you along sometimes and say, well, this isn't enough. This isn't enough. This isn't enough. That's insane to me. I, I want to know who buy. I want. Who buys that property? Well, yeah, I mean that's a good question, and who knows when these laws came into effect? I have no idea. I've only I only did design side here for probably two years, but yeah, it's 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 sad, really. Decentralized Revolution is a new podcast from the Libertarian Party Mises Caucus. Our goal is to revolutionize the LP by focusing on Austrian economics, radical political decentralization, and by supporting strong local candidates. On Decentralized Revolution, we talk about these ideas in long-form interviews with the most interesting people in the libertarian movement, people like Dave Smith, Scott Horton, Maj Touré, and Jacob Hornberger. If you're ready to take human action with us, check out Decentralized Revolution. Hi folks, Dan Reed here, the host of the Culinary Libertarian Podcast. During the show's tenure, I've spoken to celebrated authors of baking and economics. I've chatted with bakers and chefs and libertarians alike to introduce you to people who provide a mix of ideas to build your skills in the kitchen as well as tempt your appetite toward liberty. Type culinarylibertarian.com slash podcasts into your browser search bar and subscribe on your favorite podcatcher. I look forward to hearing from you. It is, and that's a big part of things. I mean, I you know, I... The, the whole permitting process, right? Like you, even if you have the land or even if you're going to like think about buying the land, you, when you stop and sit and look at a piece of land and think I'm going to buy this or maybe not, like you look into some of those things and you figure some of those things out, but is some of the nitty gritty like isn't there until you do the first two steps and then they'll hang mm -hmm. you up on step number five and you're like, yep, exactly. what am I supposed to do now? I'm, I'm right. $50,000 into this, like through development yep. and everything else. And I got nothing to show for it and I can't sell it because the next guy's going to run into the same problem. Like exactly. 
it, it's crazy. It's it's and, absolutely insane. And the only thing you're going to get from them is a rude attendant at the front desk. That's that's it. Uh, I mean, ninety nine percent of the time. <laughs> Particularly if you don't know, you know, if you know some of the guys, because there are good engineers there. Like I, I developed a relationship. With, you know, one guy I occasionally even still still hang out with, and you know, grab lunch with, and he's a great guy. We don't talk politics, and that's fine. Like I just like him as a person. But uh, the engineers there tend to be amicable and good and well-meaning if misguided i we believe i believe well yeah i mean with, the, with their paycheck of course they're they're, they're happy yeah yeah exactly yeah <laughs> they get paid uh, quite but, well yeah i think i like i remember when i was in high school i did like a an internship with like the soil and water conservation in like our county you know yeah and like they're they're part of that umbrella but like they they don't they don't see it you know, they don't recognize it. I think no. a, a, on one hand, like you, you genuinely think like you're doing good. I'm helping something by noting that, you know, the water runs this way down the hill and, you know, you can't put a house over there because, you know, all that water is going to be pushed down this way and it's going to, you know, it, it just, people don't, don't realize it. You think you're actually doing something and it's like, you're, you're not, I mean, you're not. Well, yeah. And it also develops into a, like a culture of no, you know, they're not the ones out there innovating and creating every day. They don't, they don't have that mindset of, how do we make this work? It's, can you believe these guys, they want to do this? No, absolutely not. Can you believe these guys, we want to do this? No. So I have a, t- a tough question for you. All right. Does, does private property actually exist? No, I mean, <laughs> strictly speaking, no. I, you know, I, I, no, I, I guess. I mean, no, it'd be, like I, I pay taxes on my house, you know, and if I stopped, they'd probably kick me out, you know, and, so. And, and that's even if you ever get to the point where you can put a fucking house on the land, because how many yeah. people did you have to ask permission for to thank you? Thank you, sir. Can I can yeah. I build on no, my I, property, please? No, I, I think that, yeah, private property in that in that regard does not exist. Now, I think private property exists in that you own your body. And yes, some people can come and, and take it from you, but that would be the same as with a state or without. It's your responsibility to defend it. Well, the thing that's frustrating is that, you know, you constantly get, you know, people saying, well, private, like the private property, you know, externally of you only exists because of the government. And I'm like, no. Yeah. I mean, that, I, <laughs> I just, I, I don't even, I can't even, I, I'm because of the being, government, it can't exist because no, they claim exactly. it as their I, own. I literally, and, and you, you can quote me on this. Like you, you will never see me approach that argument on Twitter because I lose my fucking mind. <laughs> I can't fucking stand that shit. It's so irritating. I, it's such a bizarre standpoint uh, for any, for, whatever. I don't even want to. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's just, it's frustrating <laughs> to me. Like, cause you, you, you shit a button, man. Well, no, you, yeah, sorry, you did. I sorry. I, <laughs> well, no, that's good. That's good. Which we call good podcasting, folks. Uh, yeah, but I hate that shit. But I, I guess that I asked the question because I mean, you you know better than anyone. Like you, you see how little control. Oh my god! Like you're talking about a dude who literally gave, relinquished his dream. You know, his desire to build a house mm-hmm. on land he owned. Yeah, because it was too onerous a process. For someone to give him permission to do it, and not only and, and not only that, but because of probably what I and I don't know as much about the real estate side for the individual there, but probably due to disclosure laws, I bet he has to disclose what exactly happened there. So you not only said he can't develop a house on his property, but you also torpedoed the value of the land. Now the land probably wasn't worth much because it's in Texas, in Fort Worth. But that being said. Who cares? It's the principle. Yeah. Yeah. So he he can't even get rid of the land that he had an investment in. And again, we're making some assumptions, but I think they're I think that they're not unreasonable assumptions, whether it's that guy or another guy in the same instance. I bet that's happened. You know, it, it, it's not it's not very far fetched. I just think about like 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 things like, and you know, 
like lead lead paint type stuff you know like yeah. all, all that any anything like that anything like that you, you have to all the disclosures that you have to put in now and mm-hmm. you know if i bought my house you know before all that happened and now i have to sell it and i gotta disclose that and it looks like this big scary thing oh my gosh right. you're gonna get cancer you know yeah. college kids you on the wall <laughs> whatever uh, <laughs> yeah and i think some of that depends too on like i know you, there's there's federal uh regulations but there's a fair bit of like county regulations as well i think oh d- for in terms of what i did it, it's, it's all county yeah. city it, almost yeah. all. There, there's there's honestly if you don't have a wetlands if you don't have some environmental like super fun deal you really don't deal with the feds thank god it, it's it's all <laughs> it's all city and county and when you and the further and out you know I, and i think you know to play devil's advocate to kind of our crowd when you get out into really unincorporated territory yeah it's pretty fucking loose like you you you, you don't even you know, there, there's places where I've done some business. Well, I, I did some in due diligence studies basically for, for some developments out, out in West Texas. And I was, my jaw was on the ground because I had always, I've always worked in, met, in, in metro areas and my jaw was on the ground at how little was required. I, I mean, they, they, they weren't even requiring stamped engineering drawings for the house, like the building. It's basically like, I, just like, prove they contacted you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, more or less. Yeah. I was, I, I was like, you don't require any of this stuff, uh, you know, and, and, and the property taxes are 50 bucks a year or something like that. And like, granted, yeah. yes, again, it's the principle of the thing and I don't like it, but at the same time, like you can pretty well get away from a lot of the bullshit if you, if you, if you want to, you know, yeah. if that's your, if that's your thing. We're, uh, I'm, I'm in like middle Georgia area. It gets kind of sticky where I live, but, um, yeah. yeah, we're looking at like, you know, even when we bought, bought the place we're in and we're, we're looking at maybe building someplace else and i'm like looking into some of the zoning and i'm used to like zoning in like upstate new york you know and i'm like looking around like really like i I can do this i don't have to Mm -hmm. ask permission to like dig a hole over there i don't don't, i can i can like trust myself to put the walls up the right way and yeah you know don't have anybody come come behind me and make sure that i you know you just said zoning in new york state like zoning in new york state isn't just going and finding someone who's gonna lie for you (laughs) yeah right well who can i bribe that's all that is to be honest, whose uh, cousin whose cousin are you, and how? What do you want? Baskets of <laughs> baskets of wine, cheese, and fruit go a long way. I yeah, that. <sighs> no, it is. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. And I mean, zoning is you know, zoning is one of those things. This is this is, and if I may recommend a podcast and a and a, and a person for some of this stuff, um, I'm not sure if you guys have heard of Chuck Marone with the Strong Towns podcast. I've never talked to Chuck. Uh, I, I, he has some acolytes I'm familiar with, though. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's not. I, I wouldn't say that he's a a anarcho libertarian but he's definitely like i i've heard him speak highly of, uh, yeah no he's definitely not but no but i mean i've i've heard him speak fairly highly of rothbard and whatever you think of rothbard i mean at least that means you he's a thinking person acquainted with 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 yeah. you know and um more than most yeah exactly and and i really like his i like his ideas i think i i, I like his ideas a lot i don't like the fact that he still relies i think not that he like peddles the state, but I, I don't think that he is a, a true free marketeer, or I know that he's not a true free marketeer. Nonetheless, the ideas can still be good, provided they're implemented in a voluntary way, which I think a lot of them would be because they're frankly good ideas. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, he's a, he's a, plus he's a civil engineer. He's been through all of that stuff and kind of knows how that stuff operates and, you know, is, is a good, um, critiquer of the current stuff that happened that, that's happening, which I, I am a firm believer. We're going to look back in 20 years and be like, what the hell was that era? Oh, without question. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so for those who aren't uh, who aren't familiar outside, like our listeners, Strong Towns, he, he the Chuck takes a very realistic approach 
to how badly we fucked up the economics of our cities and, and towns and things like that. And how we've basically spent the past, what, 60 years setting up towns to fail. Yes. Yeah. By by giving them projects that there's no way they can fund in perpetuity. Exactly. And and he has I guess a vision for the ways in which we could do that better moving forward. And it would fundamentally change the way our entire nation is kind of built because it just doesn't work this way. Yeah, yeah. And and I think that and it's not necessarily a doomer approach to it. It's just like, hey, like we've got to we've got to basically, you know, privatize a lot, you know, some of this stuff, sell it off. And if people don't want it, then hey, maybe it decays like, you know, and, and that's fine. But, it, you know, he provides real problems and real solutions. And yeah, whatever you think of those solutions, you know, obviously, I'm not a fan of state for solutions. Um, I think he kind of walks that line pretty well because I think he knows he has a big libertarian audience and he doesn't necessarily be like, well, the state should co- you know, come in and enforce this idea or whatever, even though, you know, maybe he, I don't know yeah, if he believes that or not, I won't speak for him, but you know, he's, 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 he's a reasonable human being. Right on. Is that like strong towns USA or something? Is that him? It's just called strong towns. He, he, and he wrote a book. There's a book called strong towns. There's a podcast called strong towns. The guy's name's Chuck Marone or Charles Marone. I think he goes by Chuck. Uh, maybe I have to check that. The, uh, was it the Anarchitecture guys are, are very yes, fond of and, him? Yes. And they, again, the Anarchitecture guys are great. I, I really like those guys. And if they weren't so goddamn hard to get on your podcast because of the time differences. Dude, yeah, it's miserable. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, it sucks uh, to coordinate. I mean, it sucks for them more than it does for, for us. We're all in the same time zone, but uh, yeah, it sucks. Oh, are we? Well, whatever, same rough time zone. I'm trying. We, we're, we're, are we, you central uh, or eastern? Close, close enough. Uh, I think we're both eastern, aren't we? We're both oh, uh, really? eastern. Yeah, and I, we got a. We're trying. We're trying to get a guest on right now from who lives in Germany, which is being problematic to say the least. Oh uh, yeah, because I think his evenings are like two in the afternoon or like yeah, no, yeah. noon over here. And well, that's fine for me most days. Ben's got got like responsibilities and like he's a good yeah. father and stuff. So mm-hmm. I don't. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> We've had uh, uh, we've had a uh, bullshito on, and he's like in the Netherlands or something like that. And that's is that where he is? Yeah, he's over yeah. there somewhere. He's a Dutch boy somewhere. I've got Q scheduled for like two weeks, uh, two weeks from now. Q it's ab- gonna be fun. Q abolitionist or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went on theirs. I think they're out in Hawaii, right? Yeah, he's out in Hawaii. I, I asked him, so what do you want to talk about? Or what he asked, what do you, what do you want to talk about? And I'm like, what do you want to talk about? What's your favorite topic? And he's like, my family. And I'm like, cool, let's talk about your family. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm a family man. Let's talk about that shit. So, all right. Well, did you have anything else that was on your mind there, Ben? Or are we going to let Carr go? You want to touch any more hot buttons? Watch me freak out again. <laughs> that was totally worth it, though. <laughs> I, th- I, think, I think we're okay. I think we're okay. <laughs> Well, thank you for not having this last for six hours. It'll give me a much easier time editing. Oh yeah. The last the last couple have been a bit of a bitch, <laughs> to yeah. say the least. They're very long yeah. and uh it's frustrating sometimes. Sometimes you just wanna go on a quick in and out, like let's get to the meat of this shit. Yeah. Well let's get them to freak out one time and then we can call it a day. Yeah, I mean it was it was really and now, difficult. now I know. Now everybody knows. I'm just on the on the on the fat guest, whimsical, calm, cool, collected. <laughs> <laughs> Come on here, freak out. All right. Um, well, uh, thanks everyone for listening. Go check out freemarketscreenearth.com for the show notes. And where can people check you out and find out more about your ridiculousness? Uh Friends Against Government Podcast. Awesome. So thanks everyone for listening. It has been a rad moment talking to our friend Car Campin. <laughs> thanks, guys. Peace. Right, peace, man.
This podcast is a proud creation of the Mad Audio Lab. For more information, check out madaudiolab.com. Free Markets Green Earth is part of the Liberty Hippie Podcast Network. If you like what we do, be sure to check out Homesteads and Homeschools, Peace Freaks, Cannabis Heals Me, and This Week in Liberpods. We're living proof that libertarian doesn't mean washed up Republican.